Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back to the final episode of season two of Positive Birth Australia. Today's episode features the inspirational journey of free birthing twin mama, Ali. The birth of Ali's first daughter was a pleasant enough experience for her to opt back into the same model of care during her second pregnancy until one simple question from her five-year-old daughter prompted her to consider home birth. Using fertility treatment to fall pregnant with her second child and having to go on a last minute trip to America put her at a higher risk of a blood clotting condition known as deep vein thrombosis. When she raised concerns about a DVT to the midwife caring for her in America, her worries were quickly dismissed and a clearance to fly was given to her. The moment she landed in Australia, she was rushed straight to hospital where she was told she had a life-threatening 53 centimeter blood clot in her leg. Considering all of this, when it came time to birth her son, a hospital setting was the safest environment for her to bring him earthside and she went on to have a positive induction experience. Although left extremely traumatized by that season in her life, it pushed her deeper into her innate wisdom that no one knows her body better than she does. This was the initiation she needed to completely step out of the system for her pregnancy and fully harness the deep trust within herself, her babies and birth. We chat about the gentle realization over time that she was having twins and the invaluable lessons she drew from her most challenging moments. Enjoy this episode. Ali, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm Alison. I'm 31. I am originally from Campbelltown in Sydney and I have um, my husband who is um, born in California. He's American. Um, Yeah, and um, we live in Brisbane now Um, and we have a eight-year-old daughter and we have a two-year-old, coming up to two-year-old son Ezra. Our daughter is Aurora. And we have twin boys now who are tomorrow will be six weeks. So very exciting, very full house over here. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) So were your pregnancies planned? 
No. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. So my first pregnancy I had um, previously before Eric. um, And so that was um, definitely wanted but unplanned um, and a one go it, like we, I did one time and got pregnant. So that was, that was a miracle in itself. Yeah. And I found out I was pregnant really, really early. I was like four weeks pregnant. Um, and I remember going to the GP and I, cause I had like cold flu symptoms and I was really sick with a chest infection. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, we'll do a pregnancy test with the blood test as well. And I was so offended. <laughs> I was like, why? Cause I'm a woman. Like, and then it came back and I was pregnant and I was like, oh, okay. Oops. Oh my gosh. So it was so funny. Um, yeah. And then Ezra, he, um, he, we did IUI. So it's a form of IVF. Um, but they, um, they took eggs out of me and my husband donated his sperm. Um, and he, they just put the sperm with the egg so it naturally conceives rather than inserting the sperm into the egg. Mm -hmm. And so that's what IUI is. And um, that's what we did with Ezra after two two years of trying Mm -hmm. to get pregnant. So after my pregnant, falling pregnant with Aurora, I was like, why are we not getting pregnant after day one? Like you should look at me and I'm (laughs) pregnant. Um, (laughs) So we, I, through my IVF, journey I found out that I had diminishing ovary syndrome and my husband had low sperm count um so it was we were told um by the IVF specialist that my ability to get pregnant with Aurora previously was just pretty much a miracle she was just flabbergasted that we were pregnant um back then and then she said that it would take 10 years for us to naturally conceive okay so does that mean that your eggs just naturally diminish or are you only born with a certain amount um I'm not sure how it works like during like from puberty up until end but it just means that I'm more likely to go through early menopause um and so that was kind of shocking to hear because I was like, oh, I do want it. Like, you know, me and my husband want to have lots of children. And so it was like, oh, wow, okay. Mm. Um, so that was really confronting to hear. Um, and I took the normal dose of um, that women take to help them release as many eggs as possible. So you have a very successful, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called. I think I can't remember what, like when Retrieval? they – yeah, went like the taking day where they <laughs> get your eggs out. Um, and I only released three eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I did, um, I did, we used, we only had one viable egg and we used that egg. Um, and I miscarried about six or seven weeks. Oh, um, yeah, and so that was really hard. Um, to go through but we jumped right back in like straight away next cycle I was like let's do this she doubled my dose so because it was so low normally women can produce anywhere between 20 30 plus eggs with just a normal round Um, and so she doubled my dose and I still only released three eggs Um, but I did like I'm a Christian as well so I was praying a lot like with my faith and just being like I I don't want too many eggs I just want as many as I need um, to to get a healthy pregnancy Um, and we had I had the three eggs um, and then they we did transfer a day and um, 
I had, they transferred the one egg and that was Ezra. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a very successful pregnancy, completely complication free after other than obviously being IVF. Um, And at 26 weeks, we just had some family issues that we needed to sort out in America. And we decided to fly home at 26 weeks, like fly home to my husband's home um, at 26 weeks pregnant. Um, He lost his best friend in an unfortunate um, car accident as well. So we just needed to be there. Um, And I was doing all the ultrasounds, all the scans, everything, especially being IVF. I had a midwife over there um, who, you know, was taking my care on. Um, I had started looking for a doula. This is where it gets really, really amazing is that I started looking for a doula because my daughter at the time was five years old and she was in kindergarten in New South Wales. So I think that's prep up here in Queensland. And um, she said to me and Eric, my husband, and she's like, mom, dad, so what happens when the baby's born? And because she'd been wanting a brother, she'd been praying for years for a brother, specifically for a brother, for yeah. twin brothers, actually. Oh. Um, so we come back to that later. Yeah. But she, she really wanted a brother as well. And um, she said, what happens when the baby's born, mom and dad? And I was like, well, you know, grandma will come get you. I'll go to the hospital. Um, and then we'll come, dad and mum will stay in the hospital for a couple of days. And when the baby and I can come home, we'll come home. And she was like, what? And she was like, but that's our baby. I was like, what? It's my baby. (laughs) And she was like, why can't I be there? And that question from a five-year-old's mouth, it changed my whole life right there. Um, And she, she did. She just, like, without any fear, just asked and questioned, why can't I be there? And it, me and my husband looked at each other and we're like, yeah, why can't she be there? Mm. Why is that not a thing? Like, why, like, I'm having a good pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. Can I just quickly ask how your birth was with Aurora? I had a great birth. I had a fantastic, she, so she was a three and a half hour labor. I was induced with her at 40 weeks because her due date was the um, 18th of December. And she was a big baby. Um, and so she wasn't. Um, and I remember, I specifically remember the mid, one of the midwives was like, yeah, we normally induce women who are due around Christmas because there's not a lot of doctors on. And so we just tried to stagger it as best as possible. And that kind of, I remember that when she said that, I was like, whoa, that kind of hit. I was like, that's not cool. But I didn't question it. Like I was a single mom at the time and um, just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Um yeah, and so anyway, um, I didn't hemorrhage. I didn't have any birth complications. She didn't have any complications. She was amazing. Like she was breastfeeding instantly and, um, yeah, so I was very thankful um, with that birth and pregnancy. Yeah, right. So basically you would have chosen the same care had your five-year-old daughter not questioned it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love her. Uh, she's amazing. She's just so beyond her years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so because she asked that, we looked at each other and we're like, why? Why is she not able to be there? And like we started talking to my mom. Um, we're also Indigenous um, from my mom's side, like me and Aurora. Um, and so 
I kind of started thinking on a cultural level and a spiritual level, like being Christians and our our cultures and culture as well, mm-hmm. of like how that all fits into giving birth. And it, it just opened this window of like, well, birth isn't, I didn't break my leg. Mm-hmm. Like this is birth. And sure, there are complications to be aware of, um, but it's bigger than that it's much much bigger than that and especially being indigenous with community um and having my mum there and and like thinking yeah my daughter should be there so we I even spoke to her kindergarten teacher about um what she thought with Aurora attending the birth and she was like I think she's the most mature kid if any kid's going to do it she'd be the one so it kind of like we were getting all this support from people around us and um encouragement so um, we just kind of kept looking into it. Yeah. So what was your model of care at that stage? Uh, well, like I had said um, before, we ended up having to go to America at 26 weeks with Ezra. Um, and during that time, I had been going to the Indigenous clinic in Campbelltown. And I, like I was seeing like the midwives there because um, we were still living in Sydney at the time. And then we flew to America at 26 weeks and I saw a midwife a couple of times while I was there because we were flying home at 37 weeks, uh, 36 weeks pregnant. Um, and um, I saw a midwife there and it ended, it, it was all fine. And so I was just kind of seeing a midwife do a little ultrasound here, do a little Doppler there and do some bloods, check my vitamins. Very, very like because of how relaxed it was with Aurora they were pretty, everyone was pretty happy with, you know, me having a complication-free pregnancy with Ezra. Yeah. But unfortunately that didn't happen um, at all. It was actually quite traumatic. Um, oh, no. Yeah. So um, Ezra, uh, we, the day before flying home at 36 weeks with Ezra, um, my leg, my left leg was, I remember actually being, at home and I was like crying to my husband because I was like I'm so fat look how big my leg is like my leg is so fat Mm. and he's like you're not fat good you're gorgeous and you know like all of this and um I went to sleep and then the next morning I woke up and was like no actually my leg's swollen Mm. like my left leg is swollen and that's when we started looking into it. And I had a little bit of pain in my left leg. And then um, I took a photo of it and we sent it off to the midwife. Um, and I expressed that I thought that I might have a blood clot in my leg, so a DVT. Mm-hmm. Um, went there. Uh, this is a very watered down version of what happened. Um, but went to see the midwife. Uh, I sent the photos to the midwife, I'm sorry. And, um, sorry, okay. <laughs> it's a bit hard. Yeah, oh. it's just a bit hard. Um, sent the photos off to the midwife and said that I, we were afraid that it was a blood clot and I was going to be getting on a plane the next day. Mm. And obviously getting on a plane would exag- exacerbate it. Yeah. Um, so I went and saw her. She ignored my request and my thoughts of a DVT. Uh, she dismissed them. She said I had sciatic nerve pain, gave me some muscle relaxant medication, gave me a fit-to-fly letter. I got on a plane the next day and I flew from Oregon to Brisbane Mm -hmm. um, and my leg went from a little bit swollen to 
just ballooned. Um, it was it was incredible. Um, and I went straight from Brisbane Airport to Ipswich Hospital Emergency. Uh, the doctor looked at my leg and instantly was like, you have a DVT. If you don't have a DVT, I'm going to be extremely surprised if you don't have this blood clot. Mm. Um, I ended up having a blood clot in my leg. It was three centimetres above the groin crease. It continued completely continued all the way down halfway down my calf so it measured about 53 centimeters long yeah massive blood clot (laughs) and so that can be fatal can't it oh yeah that blood clot is that and the biggest risk so the risks of a blood clot um are flying um immobility ivf yeah it got very crazy um i had to have surgery um, when I was, I was 37 weeks pregnant, by the time I landed, I was just coming up to 37 weeks pregnant. Um, and instantly I was rushed from it switch up to Marta hospital. Um, all the major hospitals here were all discussing and debating where I should go because of how serious it was. I was instantly put on blood thinning medication. Um, it was just full on. Like I said, I had surgery. They I was awake and they had to cut through my jugular and insert a filter into my chest so that if any of the blood clot broke off, it wouldn't go to my heart or my lungs or my brain and I wouldn't die. Um, So it was just boom, boom, straight on blood thinners like, and they're just like, good luck, hope for the best. Um, they're like, this is the biggest blood clot we've seen in this sort of case. Um, I had multiple midwives and doctors be like, I'm just surprised you're not dead. Like Mm. the amount of times I heard that was, I think that was also traumatizing to Mm. hear so often. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that actually, that kind of probably pushed the idea of like, I I need to take charge of my body now. Mm-hmm. This is my body and I'm the only one. After that issue with the midwife dismissing my concerns of a DVT and then coming home and it being the most exaggerated version and worst version you could have had, mm-hmm. um, I went, wow, no, that responsibility is not a doctor's or a midwife's. Yes, they have their place and it's so needed and, um, you know, it's, you know, it's good to go to the doctor and see a midwife or whatever. But at the end of the day, I it really, really pushed in me that I am the only one who knows my body. Yeah. I am the one who needs to push my body and my baby. Like, I have full responsibility of that. Yeah. Um, so it kind of breathed this new life into me. Um, and it was, as traumatic as that was, it really pushed this like this, what I think now is this beautiful side where I'm like, I'm so like more for women knowing their own bodies. Like it's turned, it's got such a positive spin on it that like if a woman says to me, this is what I'm thinking or feeling about me and my baby, I I will never dismiss that mother. Yeah, love that. And yeah, like I'm like, no, 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 you know, I don't know anything, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like what do, do you need me to support you in that? How can I help you in that? And I'm like, wow, I feel like now I'm realising how I can be in community better. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it does have a positive side to it. It took, 
years. I, I had PTSD, anxiety, depression, um, probably some postnatal depression with Ezra because of it. Yeah. What impact did that have on your birth with Ezra? Um, I wasn't, because I was on a high dose of blood thinners, I wasn't able to, um, they were like, look, I was planning on doing a home birth. So, so with everything that Aurora had questioned, um, we were like, yeah, we're finding a, a doula. I found an amazing doula um, in my area who specializes in home births and free births as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does has worked in the hospital as well, but mainly that's her niche. And um, so I went with her. Uh, she's also Christian. So that was another huge um, benefit for me to have someone like that. Um, and then, yeah, so we were kind of talking while I was in America and then coming home, she met me at the airport and everything like that. And so I had planned for a home birth. Um, but then when that kind of all happened, I was like, oh, wait, wow, this is like, this is like really, really serious. This isn't something that I'm going to birth at home with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was induced at 39 weeks. Um, the hematologist said, hospital protocols and procedures 39 weeks you take you come off the clexane the blood thinners uh we induce you that way we can um prevent any hemorrhaging like i don't just take a big dose of blood thinners and then go into labor straight away Mm -hmm. um and especially because they also knew that i um, birthed aurora with an induction but vaginally birthed her within three and a half hours so then you i probably might go quite fast Um, so they were just more concerned about that because um, you can't reverse clexane. Once you once you have clexane in your body, it lasts for like 12 hours um, to 24 hours. And so they can't give you an injection to stop that kind of um, blood thinning. Does that cross the placenta? Yeah, yeah it can. It, look, it can cross the placenta and can cross the breast milk. They say it's minimal, but... You know, yeah. I was on a really, really high dose. Yeah. <laughs> so you're only meant to be on like one milligram per kilo. And I, at the time, um, at the end of my pregnancy with Ezra, I was about 80 kilos and I was on 120 grams. Oh, wow. So I was on quite a high dose yeah. um, because the clot was so big. But I had an amazing, so because I wanted this home birth, I had an amazing birth. I had this great doula. I had my supportive husband. My mum was up here here she um was aurora's support person in the hospital and um i gave birth to him in two and a half hours wow (laughs) i was induced and boom my body was like we know what we're doing we've got this (laughs) um and the midwife like my i told my husband and um doula i was like look eric and beck just can you leave the like push the midwife away unless it's absolutely necessary like you know just keep her at away and let me do what I need to do so was that really intense for you being only two hours yeah I had like a micro sleep I remember sitting yeah I remember sitting on the bed like in a position just like and I had a contraction and because I was induced like those contractions are just wave after wave after wave like and and two out two and a half hours it was just full on and I just remember like sitting there and I finished a contraction and then I just remember like you know, when you jolt, like you feel like you're falling. I was like, whoa, okay. 
I had a little micro sleep. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, my body, and then I birthed him and like 20 minutes later. So I think my body was just like, okay, we're done. We're ready. Yeah. Like, you need to get this baby out. We can't do this. You've hit your peak. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And he was super healthy. Um, he was like, Aurora was four kilos at birth. He was 3.8 kilos at, at wow. birth. So I, make good chunky babies incredible um <laughs> did you get any tearing because it was so fast yeah with both Ezra and Aurora it was very very similar um I had just like a couple of first degrees and mm-hmm. lots of lot of like little like ones where I did have to have some stitches mm-hmm. um yeah and I think that's yeah not too bad it was yeah it was pretty painful to have those stitches and stuff so yeah um but yeah, and then afterwards, like we stayed at Marta for a couple of days. We came home. Everyone was super healthy, um, and we came home. And hubby and I, because of how hard it was, and and I was like, I had so much anxiety and PTSD from that blood clot. Um, the other thing is when I, um, the one time that the midwife jumped in here, um, she gave me in my birth plan and with my doula and everyone knowing, I said, I didn't want to have the, I forget what we call it here in Australia, the Pitocin. That's what we call it in America. That's the oxytocin. The oxytocin. Right. Yeah. To get the placenta out. I didn't want that. And the reason why I didn't want that is one, I didn't want it in general, but two medically wise, because I was on blood thinners and with the risk associated with hemorrhaging after having that, I thought that would probably be unsafe for me to do. Yeah, okay. And I said, I don't want that. And she ignored my re- my birth plan. She ignored my request. I remember her actually coming up from behind and jabbing me in the leg with it <gasps> without even asking. That's terrible. Yeah, it was very, very full on. And I was like, <gasps> oh, okay. Um, that just happened. Okay. And I ended up hemorrhaging oh. 1.25 litres um, from retained placenta a week after birth. I was on blood thinners still because I was on blood thinners for about 11 months. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I had to have iron infusions and I was in hospital again for like a week. Again, it was so traumatic. Mm. Um, And I remember like my my husband walking me into emergency and the blood just poured out of me as I was standing there and he was – like he rushed to get everyone. They came and grabbed me and, you know, 20 people rushed the room, doctors and nurses and midwives and everyone. And my husband was just holding out week old son and he was just crying. And one of the sweet midwives came over and she was just trying to console him, being like, you know, it's okay and um, whatnot. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was so horrible. It was, it was, it was such a horrible thing. And it comes back to that please listen to my body and please listen to me when I'm talking about my body and how my body is working and what my concerns are for my body. Um, and I just think that my, that, that, um, my postpartum phase of my birth would have been completely different if she did listen. Um, and yeah so I'm sorry like this I'm like this is not positive like no you know (laughs) yeah but it's all a part of the journey and we learn a lot from these experiences don't we yeah you do and those things that had happened put me in the position that I was in to give birth to my twins which is the most positive and beautiful experience so um yeah so it really that's how I've I've been processing my pregnancy and birthing journeys is like watching that all unfold and being like, it's just, 
the more I push into trusting myself and, and my faith, then the more I'm getting out of it yeah. <laughs> and my kids are benefiting from it. So, um, yeah, but so after all of that with Ezra and my husband said, I, I never want to do IVF again. It was so hard on my body. Um, he's like, there were so many complications. The IVF was probably the one of the biggest, the one of two causes of why I've had a blood clot in the first place. Yeah, so he's like, let's not risk that. And I was like, okay, um, let's not. Can I just quickly ask, what is the current state of your blood clot? Um, I have... I, from my last ultrasound, which was months and months ago, um, I have three centimetres left in my groin crease and I have residual clot in my thigh and my calf. And the way the haematologist and GP has explained it is that it's kind of just permanent now. They're not worried about it breaking off. Like okay. the, the chances of that happening is slim to none. Um, but the fact is, is that it's just there and it's probably – damaged my vein my artery like my deep vein um so yeah and like I get cramps in that leg and and whatnot um on and off so yeah they're like that's pretty normal it's if my leg like were to swell again or if I had redness or itching those kind of symptoms they'd be like come back because you might have a new clot Mm -hmm. um but yeah so that was that's what um, that's where it was at the end. Um, I spoke to my hematologist after 11 months of blood thinners and Ezra was 11 months old um, and he said, okay, you can come off your blood thinners now. You've done your treatment cycle um, and you are now okay to get pregnant. And I told my husband, I was like, I'm so excited, you know. <laughs> um, and he's like, and he was very excited because we want to have lots of kids. So he... Um, he was like, as long as we're doing this natural, like we're just going to pray and we're going to keep faith and we're going to hold on to that and that's the way that we're going to do it. And I was in agreement with him and um, we we had sex like a week later and got pregnant with twins. Oh <laughs> that is so wild. Yes, 100%. And like my daughter, like earlier I was saying like she had been praying for two years before Ezra. When we were trying, she'd be praying specifically for twin brothers. Wow. And then I got pregnant through IVF with a twi- with a uh, with Ezra, with one boy. And she was very happy, but she kept saying, I prayed for twin boys. <laughs> like, And I was like, well, here you go, darling. <laughs> it was so funny. So let's jump into the twins. How was your pregnancy with them? Okay, so this is where like life totally flipped, um, completely flipped on my head. I went from very mainstream medicalized to, nope, I'm just trusting myself. I'm trusting my babies. I'm trusting the design of my body and my babies. And I'm gonna. And my husband went. I 100% in like encourage that, Amazing. and I 100% support that. You, I trust you to know your body. And I went awesome. Thanks, baby. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. And again, I had the same doula. And again, like she has the same faith. My mum is also a Christian too. So we all just kept staying in prayer and just having faith that, you know, this is exactly how our bodies are made. Mm. We're made to birth, um, you know, and we have that ability. And if something were to arise, there would be a warning. Uh, My body would warn me of that, you know, Um, and then we would tackle that situation when needed. 
Um, and so, yeah. Um, and you didn't know that you were having twins? Um, I didn't do any ultrasounds yeah. through my whole pregnancy. Were you ever suspicious that there were two? Because I know being a twin mother that there's <laughs> a lot of limbs flying around in that belly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'd had two ba- single babies before. So I kind of already knew. And Ezra was, when I got pregnant, it was a week before his first birthday. So I knew like recently what it felt like to have one baby inside you know um actually I always say that my husband is the one that told me that I was pregnant with twins because I was so sick from five weeks pregnant I just had HG like just severe vomiting my my body was just like not coping at 16 weeks I got so sick um I went into the hospital because I could tell that I was so dehydrated. I was like, my vitamins are extremely low. Like everything is just going crazy. And it really had, that's when it first hit that I was really sick and um, like just vomiting sick. And so we went into the hospital and the midwife was like, my husband's sitting at the, at the bottom of my bed and the midwife come over and I was like, look, I don't want to have an ultrasound. Like, I'm request like I, I don't want to do that and she's like that's okay that's your choice and I was like thank you for supporting that and she's like do you mind if I feel your belly and she felt my belly and I was 16 weeks pregnant and she's like oh you're measuring about 19 weeks oh, wow. and she's like and I was like yeah but I've already had a baby and he's only like one at the moment and she was like oh, okay yeah yeah that's probably it and then my husband turned to me and he goes it's because there's two in there yes and I was like no there's not don't even <laughs> like oh, wow. yeah and so I think from and I was still really sick at 16 weeks and I my HG didn't stop really until 24 weeks um and then from that 16 week mark I just kind of every week kept measuring my fundal height Mm -hmm. and well Eric was I was like we were kind of talking to each other and like he I was teaching him how to do it and showing him and we were working together so it was a really really nice bonding moment for him and baby and then me and him um for him to be just like you know feeling belly my belly and everything like that and um every week I would measure my belly and it was like slowly getting like further and further away from where I should have been (laughs) so I was like you know at first I was measuring three weeks ahead and then it was five weeks and then it was eight weeks and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and I I got to like 20 I think 22 weeks 24 weeks and I went to my GP who um I'd only seen like once before and I got a confirmation of pregnancy to say you know back at four weeks to get a blood test like I knew I was pregnant um and I just needed her to do that blood and I explained to her then that I you know I wasn't I was just gonna do this all natural and I will come to you when I'm ready and she was so supportive of that um which was really awesome um and so when I got to 22 to 24 weeks I came in I was like look I think I either have twins or it's gestational diabetes. I don't want to do gestational diabetes, the sugary drink, because I've had gastric sleeve surgery, so it's invalid anyway. Is there another way we can test? And so we did some other blood tests, and she's like, you're perfectly healthy with gestational diabetes. (laughs) Perfectly healthy. And I was like, "Mm, okay, because I'm feeling multiple (laughs) kicks now. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah, I and and she, you know, like a um, any GP, she encouraged me to go and do a, an ultrasound just to confirm. And I said, look, I'm not, I'm not at that place. 
I I don't feel like that's a necessity. That would be I don't feel like that's because I need to do it or something's wrong. I'm just doing it to find out. And I was like, and that's okay. Um, and again, we just like I'd said, like through prayer, we just felt like it wasn't it wasn't what we needed to do. I didn't need to have this ultrasound. Yeah. Um, my GP respected it, which was so fantastic. She Amazing. didn't pressure me. She just she's like, I will always just give you information and then you do what you need to do and that's okay. And I was like, Oh, yes, amazing. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, and then so I think it was my I just at 24 weeks that's when I was just kind of like I got to the lovely stage of only vomiting once in the morning and then I could go about my day without being nauseous anymore so as you know kind of out of the woods um I had been seeing a naturopath um to check all my vitamins and help me get my vitamins back on track and so I think about 24 weeks everything was bang on where it should be and so that's why my nausea had really stopped as well mm-hmm. um and so I was just feeling really good um, and yeah, and I just, I kept seeing a Cairo, my naturopath. I went and got bloods taken every four weeks. Um, I had, yeah, check my iron, check zinc, um, vitamin D, vitamin C, my copper, um, magnesium. There was a lot. And I just did like little vitamin shots, um, before bed Amazing. and that kind of helped everything. There were high doses of everything through my naturopath. Yeah, and it just, yeah, I just felt a hundred times better four weeks later. Yeah. But so with my GP at the very beginning, I just spoke to her and said, look, the reason why we're going natural is because when I spoke to my hematologist, he said hospital policies and procedure is that you are to be induced at 39 weeks and you have no other options. You have to be on blood thinners. And I'm like, but I don't have a blood clot anymore. Like I have the one that was staying and it wasn't moving. It wasn't going to grow. He's like, no, hospital policies and procedures is that any woman who's had a blood clot, whether they still have it or not, even if my daughter Aurora, when she grows up, their hospital procedure would policy would dictate that she would have to be on on Clexane as well because I have had a blood clot even though she hasn't. Crazy. Um, and I was like, no other women, like my mother, my sister, my nan, my aunties, none of them have had blood clots. And I was like, this is literally because I was immobile in, immobile in the United States and I was on IVF medication. That's why I got the blood clot. And then it was so big because I flew that exacerbated it. And I did. I looked at some medical evidence-based medical studies on women – like reoccurring blood clots in women. And so I took that on on my own and I I took it back to my hematologist. He looked at that over and he said, look, hospital's policy and procedure dictates that this is what I have to tell you and I can't can't work outside of that. Mm. Um, But I looked at these studies and went, no, they're telling me that women who don't have a blood clotting disorder, they're, they're fine. They don't clot again it's it's usually when you know if they have surgery or something like that like when it's medically induced like a medication induced like mm-hmm. don't do that again yeah. <laughs> you know or the risk is there then um and so and I was like and this is a natural pregnancy so 
anyway, I decided that I wasn't going to be on um, Clexane. I spoke with my GP about it. She supported me. Did she ever raise any fears about it potentially being twins? Because as you would know, in the medical system, you'd be considered high risk immediately. Um, Or did you have any fears that arose when you were a little bit suspicious that it might be twins? No. So like I know about twin to twin transfusion um, syndrome, like that's a real, real scary issue Mm -hmm. um and so I did have fears about that but I didn't at the same time I just felt really yeah I felt really peaceful that it was okay um I felt really at ease that that wasn't what was happening with my twins Mm -hmm. um and I was constantly I felt like because I hadn't had an ultrasound, I felt more in tune with these guys than I did with my other two. And I had multiple ultrasounds with them. And I believe for myself personally, it came down to the fact that because I was trusting me and myself and the babies and not something or someone else, I had all that responsibility. And I, so I would sit often on my own and be like, okay, quiet everyone and just sit and just feel them and wait for them to move and be like, okay, you guys tell me where you are. Yeah. Like, you know, you move around and show me where you're going. And, and so I, I felt so connected to them. Yeah. Um, but the other fears that I had was obviously absolutely um, number one hemorrhaging. I was so afraid that I was going to hemorrhage and I was so afraid that I was going to have a blood clot. Um, and it was, it was really hard to process through that. And though the fear of the blood clot and the hemorrhaging, even though I had dealt with it as much as I did, it I still had those nagging little doubt thoughts in the back of my mind, even up until like the last, maybe like a week ago. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, just feeling like, okay, where now I'm like, oh, my kids are like four weeks old and um you know my postpartum time is nearly finished and I'm feeling more and more at ease yeah but I did like I and I think that that's healthy you know to recognize that I had those fears and absolutely yeah so at any point did you consider hiring a private midwife or was your choice always no matter what to free birth yeah so that wasn't a choice I mean it became a choice yeah it didn't start as a choice though so because the hematologist had said 39 weeks you are to be induced he laid down that law and I spoke to pretty much every midwife private practicing midwife in my area and they said they fully agreed why I had the blood clot and why I hemorrhaged and they're like we would love to take you on but we can't yeah of course we 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 are more likely like they would they're like we would just lose our license Mm. we can't support you and that was that was that was really sad. Yeah. And I, you know, me and my husband are very, we always, we talk everything through. And so I think it was roughly about that 16 to 20 week mark where I had really felt, cause I was looking for a midwife from like six weeks, seven weeks. So I was like, let's get in and try to find someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think by 16 to 20 weeks in that space, around that time, I went, this is not a choice. This hasn't started as a choice, but now it is a choice. I am just free birthing and I'm taking on that responsibility. And I was like, I've already taken on the responsibility of my whole pregnancy and doing it on my own terms. I'm going to do this on my own terms in my birth. (laughs) So so powerful. It gives me goosebumps. (laughs) 
Do you want to take us to the end of your pregnancy and that first sign of labor? Yeah, so the end of my pregnancy, I was, um, you know, just vomiting once a day. Um, <laughs> n- nice and it was, you know, I could work my day around it yeah. at least, which is good. <laughs> but I was, I had more energy. I was kind of in that nesting phase and um, my husband was working um, and I was just doing, you know, normal. I, my two-year-old goes to family daycare. My daughter goes to school. Um, so doing, you know, school drop-off and pick-up and things like that and getting our house organized and my birth space organized and um, just kind of going along with life. And um, about, I think about 33 weeks, I started getting like just some on and off kind of cramping. And I think I might've been nesting a little too hard. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was so I started resting a little bit. Um, and then a couple of days before um, giving birth, I had like some tightenings and they were still like Braxton Hicks, like, you know, that practice contraction and then it'd kind of go away and then I wouldn't feel anything for like, you know, 10 hours or something like that. You know, like it, it was just, there was nothing, no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I like, I, but I kept saying to my husband, I was like, oh, I just feel like, feel like you need to make sure you have your phone on you at work all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And he's like, but you're only like at the time I actually had my dates uh, confused. I thought I was a week further ahead than what I was. Uh-huh. And I didn't find out that I was, because uh, I birthed at 34 weeks, but I thought I was 35 weeks. And I didn't find out that I was 34 weeks until after I'd given birth. Oh, okay. um, so I was like, oh, okay, whoops, <laughs> that was bad. Um, <laughs> and so I kept telling him, I was like, when, what, like, you know, we talked about when we felt safe to still birth at home and what was too early in the pregnancy. And we both straight away were like 35 weeks. That's when we feel safe. We want it to go way past, but at this stage we're like, we're having twins. We're taking into consideration it's twins. So we felt that I would most likely go early, but um, because I wasn't going to be induced or having a C-section, I might not go early. So we're just kind of, you know, talking about all the options. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was measuring at 34 weeks, um, I was measuring 48 weeks pregnant. So I was huge. I was so (laughs) big. And I think that's when me and hubby were like, yeah, you're probably going to probably going to give birth to these babies soon. Um, And yeah, and I did. So I, woke up in the morning and I knew I had uni and so I um got ready for the day and I had a couple of cramps took the kids to school yeah and I was getting go I went to uni and I was sitting there with my mentor at uni and my stomach is just like I was just getting really tight contractions and I was like oh okay hello and it felt like something but I wasn't sure um, because I was like, no, 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 I'm 35 weeks. Like, it, like this isn't it. Um, <laughs> so you had fully accepted by this stage that it was most likely twins. Oh, I, I knew they were twins because yeah. at this stage, like I was doing, yeah, I was doing belly mapping. Um, and I could, you could feel like yeah. Zy- twin two was right up in my ribs and twin one was in my hip and like their bottoms. And yeah. they were, I could feel that they were both head down, um, and even my GP, she had had like a little fill around and she was like, 
hmm, that's suspicious, but she didn't like officially say anything. Um, and then my chiropractor who specializes in pregnancy, um, she's like, look, I'm, I don't specialize in belly mapping, but she's like, I've felt a couple of bellies to know that this doesn't feel like one. <laughs> so, I, I know I'm backtracking now, but was there ever a singular moment where you can recall it properly dawning on you that you were carrying two little babies inside your belly? Because I know for me, yeah. that was a lot to comprehend. Well, I think because I never had that ultrasound, it wasn't like this one moment. Yeah, very true. I like flip-flopped. Like my husband by the end of my pregnancy was like, if you say we're not having twins one more time, (laughs) like (laughs) he accepted it way earlier than I did. Um, So (laughs) he's he's a very wonderful, supportive husband. So yeah, he's great. And um, so (laughs) we would would laugh and joke about it. I'd be like, so babe. And he's like, are you going to (laughs) say what I think you're going to (laughs) say? because I would I I, and I kept telling him I was like babe I haven't had that ultrasound and like it's not the reason why I need to go and do it and I I didn't feel like I needed to but I was like because I haven't had that aha moment it's in your face there's no denying it like it was very back and forth of like one minute I'm like yeah like I would lay in bed and be like oh my gosh babe we're having twins (laughs) (laughs) and then the next night I'd be like are you sure yes oh my gosh that's so true yeah it's a little bit more of a gentle transition into that idea yeah of yeah it wasn't like rip the band-aid off it was yeah. kind of like ease me into it <laughs> yeah see mine was like no warning band-aids all of a sudden off yeah just like, You're like oh. what yeah wild and like we discussed how like you know my sister has identical twins um a couple of my cousins have um, fraternal and identical twins um and even on my husband's side he has some twins like you know in his cousins and like as I do okay so Um, you've got quite a few on both sides well we didn't think that it really was that big of a thing on my side of the family mainly because and I feel like this is important I think everyone should hear how amazing my, my nan is or my, my mother's mother. Um, my nan had, she birthed 17 children. <gasps> what? Yeah. And they were all singleton babies. Oh, incredible. Yes. So. That is wild. My, <laughs> my mum is one of 27 children. No way. Um, my pop, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so my pop had 10 children and then my nan had three children and they got together and had 14 children. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, nan birthed 17 children altogether. Um, Pop got a woman pregnant 24 times, God bless him. Um, (laughs) Do you know anything about her births, whether they were natural or? Um, So my mum is the third youngest of all of them. Wow. Um, so Nen passed away when I was like eight. I wish, I wish, and I, I felt this so heavy on my heart. I was like, and I said it to my mom. I was like, I wish I was experiencing what I'm experiencing and Nen was still around so yeah. I could really just draw from her and be like, what did you do, yeah. you crazy lady? <laughs> like, how did you do this? <laughs> um, so I actually, even though Nen ha- has passed, I really felt – I feel connected to her. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I feel, and I felt so empowered. I just kept thinking like she birthed 17, Yeah, wow. 17, like, and it just, you know, and they're all single babies. And so from what I understand, she didn't, uh, she never had a C-section. She did all vaginal. Amazing. 
Um, and she did have, um, I'm not sure about the older children and her first three children, but I do know her younger ones, um, potentially including my mum, she did have in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Being Indigenous as well, like we all have like six, seven kids, you know, roughly. Um, a couple of us haven't had children or um, have only had a couple, but um, yeah, a lot of my aunties and uncles have had like, you know, six kids. So, and then they all have six kids and and there's not, there's, I mean, so I keep thinking like the chances of twins in like a million people in my family, yeah. you know, <laughs> of course someone's going to do it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I thought I should share that. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, my, yeah. So I was at uni, I went to uni that day um, and I was sitting with my mentor and just contracting and I was like, no, that's not it. And I kept thinking well I've always been induced and I I remember saying throughout my whole pregnancy like I'm really excited to actually go into natural labor and like how my body functions and allowing it to spontaneously do this on its own and what does that look like because I've only ever had a three and a half hour and a two hour half hour birth um and it's like you know green light go um and so yeah I um I just, I don't think I believed I was in labor. Yeah. <laughs> and so I came home and then I came home from uni and um, the contraction stopped for like three hours. I didn't have anything, not even a little one. Um, and so I said to hubby, I was like, keep your phone on, but I don't think it's anything. Uh, and he was like, yeah, okay. Um, and then I did the school pickup. I had my nap. I did the school pickup. And um, I started contracting as I was driving and I was like, oh, pull over quickly. Like, (laughs) hello, didn't expect that. Like, and then I picked up the kids, came home and I was like, it is only 3.30. I have have three and a half hours until it's bedtime. I need to get through this. And then instantly they all stopped again. Like nothing. Like they were like 10 minutes apart. Oh, sorry, they were 15 minutes apart at that time and then I had nothing for hours and I put the kids to bed. I, you know, told hubby again, no, 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 it's nothing's happening. I haven't had them for a few hours. Called my doula, called my birth photographer. I was like, look, she was also 40 weeks pregnant at the time. What a superwoman. So I was like, if I call you, it's an absolute, I'm calling you. It's not a, like, I will 100% know that I'm in labor. And she's like, okay. Um, super supportive. And so was my doula. Um, and then seven o'clock came around and I praised God for that time of night because <laughs> I was so tired and really, really sore. Um, like my whole body just kind of was really sore carrying that much weight yeah. and how big I was. Like my husband would really have to like kind of kick me out of bed, like, you know, help push me, Such a <laughs> roll me over. Yeah. It's so intense. And, um, yeah, and you just like you kind of like you hope. I just remember my whole body was like aching, and so I put them to bed. And I was like, you know what? I really haven't done, and I'm afraid that I won't get done. Is my belly cast? And I went, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to go have a nap. And I went and had a nap at seven. I, I'm going to go to sleep. And at seven o'clock, I went to sleep. And I woke up. Uh, my husband got home from work at ten p.m. 
and I woke up at 10.30. The poor guy literally had a shower, ate some food, got into bed to go to sleep for the night and I woke up five minutes later at 10.30 and was like, this is it. Like, this is it, babe. I was like, that is huge. And I was like, this is a 100% I'm in labor. Like, I really felt it. And he was like, I just wanted a nap. (laughs) and I was like I'm sorry and uh yeah so we he rushed around and like he's amazing like he rushed around and got my birth pool filled up and you know he was putting the fairy lights up and making sure that it was all beautiful for me um then I called my um doula back and she's like yeah I'll head over because I was like look they're coming every five minutes they're like five six minutes apart she's like yeah I'll come over um, and they were going every five, six minutes and they happened six times in a row. And I was like, I'm calling my birth photographer, um, Bianca. Yes. I just yeah. interviewed her recently. Yeah, you did. She, she's so lovely. She's amazing. And she, that's right. She was 40 weeks pregnant at my birth. Incredible. I called Bianca and, uh, she came over about midnight. That's by the time, you know, everything kind of really, um, it was, yeah, I think it was midnight or like 11 or something like that. Um, and she was over. Um, she walked through the door and I, because when I woke up, I was like, I didn't do my belly cast at seven <laughs> o'clock. I need to do it now. And so I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing in my lounge room, putting my, doing my belly cast, like plaster everywhere. There's a towel oh on the floor. Bianca's got her beautiful camera taking photos <laughs> of me as she walks in. I love it. I'm like, I have to do this. I, like, I have to. I have one for both my other children. I need at least one so yeah. I can give the twins. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I did that. Um, <laughs> so you were obviously coping with your surges at that point? <laughs> oh, it really helped, like, remove – like, when it was drying, when I had, like, a contraction, it really helped, like, take it off my body. And so it wasn't really sticking on my body body anymore but my husband I've got Bianca took photos of me like and my husband like getting the hair dryer out and he's like (laughs) blow drying my belly and everything and I'm like just we need to get it dry as quick as possible because normally you have to wait like an hour yeah okay but yeah so after I did my belly cast I was on um I was just trying to find um someone that could potentially come and be a support person for Aurora and Ezra because it's middle of the night they're in bed asleep um but it just, that's not the plan. That wasn't the thing that, it, that's not what worked out. And um, I think it was a really good thing, actually, because um, I was just laboring um, and it was about 1 a.m. And I was like, I was laughing between contractions. And I was just, I, I had my worship music playing and I was like crying of joy and just, feeling amazing all of those great hormones that our body releases were just going rampant in me and I was like this is like ecstasy I love it Mm. I'm having a great time um and you know and then a contraction would hit and it was you know it was deep and I remember like the noises I did like a, a deep rumble and it wasn't like because I was in pain, it was like, I think it was just my body's way of like responding to helping the babies move down. Like it was like a, like a more like a very deep, low rumble. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was just what I was naturally kind of doing. And I just was like, okay, let's do this. Whatever's working. Um, I got in the birth pool um, 
And once I got into the birth pool and I was still rumbling, uh, it wo- I think I woke up the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came out and, I mean, as like as supportive and loving as my husband is and as my doula as well, she's so supportive too. I didn't – the way Beck is a doula – is she's more in the background, which I really like because I don't want anyone other than my husband near me when I'm birthing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's exactly what I need. Um, so she just kind of sat there and I could see her. So there was like that reassurance. She was just kind of sitting there and I had that support. And then there's Bianca, my photographer, walking around with her 40-week belly. Like, And I'm like, this is just amazing. Like I have pregnant women supporting pregnant women was just like on fire. Wow. And then my husband, he was just looking after our kids and I could just sit in that pool and just go, this is me. Like, I don't need to look at anyone to do this for me. This is me and my babies and we're doing this. And, you know, I had a couple of glances at them where I'm like, I need some reassurance because that was, this is a crazy contraction or whatever. Um, But I could just flow into my own experience of birth and, um, yeah, and so um, I remember um, twin one is Zol and I remember I could feel him coming down and really, really low and I actually, sorry, before I get into that, one of the fun parts was um, I remember laughing between contractions and then at one point I was like, you know what, because of how well I was coping with the contractions, I was like, Whoever invented induction, like, I'm just so angry at because yeah. I'm actually enjoying my labor. And the other two times, I couldn't. And I didn't get to have that experience. And so I was super angry about it <laughs> and laughing about it. But anyway. I always love hearing people's inner dialogue during their labors. Yeah. <laughs> and for any listeners that have never been induced, those surges are beyond comprehension. Absolutely no comparison to the surges that you feel during natural labor. Absolutely. And because of how in, I just remember, like, for me personally, like, my experience of induction was it was so painful. Yeah. Like, and it was painful, but not just painful, but like I couldn't breathe between the yeah, pain. Yeah, so true. Where this time it might have been painful, sure, like I could feel it and it was – but it was a different kind of pain mm-hmm. and it was like I, it was so bearable. I could laugh, yeah. could like have a chat and make a joke and do a belly cast. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I could really enjoy the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember being in the pool and twin one is Zol and uh, I could feel him really, really coming down. And um, I just remember – it with Ezra and Aurora I couldn't speak when it came time to like that fire the ring of fire but with the twins I was like the ring of fire like you know just kind of get it out (laughs) um you know get ready Uh, because I'm in the water and my husband he we had planned for him to um catch baby Mm -hmm. yeah so he was in the water and I was like, the ring of fire. And he's like, okay, like we're ready. Um, and he came out and, oh, it was sensational. Like, I know that's such a weird thing to say, but it was because I felt his head come out. And, you know, when they kind of, they do that natural turn, just that little shift mm-hmm. to get into position for their shoulders to come out. I felt him do that. And I was just like, oh, how beautiful like it felt beautiful and weird all at the same time to feel that and then 
um, my husband's like, oh, who's here? And Ezra and Aurora were, you know, in the room watching and just taking it all in. Um, and and then I uh, I just waited until I was ready to kind of my, let my body tell me when we're ready to push, and we did. And he just shot out, and um, Harvey um, caught him and passed him over to me. And um, he was breathing and – um yeah and he just we need to give him a little bit of a rub to kind of get him to have a little bit of a cry mm-hmm. um but yeah he was okay and then I remember he, I like I was doing and he he looks like he might have had a little bit of labor labored breathing like heavier breathing so we were just kind of rubbing him and keeping him warm and and then I was like I went to put him on my chest to kind of you know hold him and then the next contraction happened and I could feel the next head moving down and I was like oh okay and I was like confirmation (laughs) Um, I knew it (laughs) and I was like I look I think I I looked at Beck um because Eric was still in the water I believe or he was getting out of the water and um I looked at Beck and I like I was like I need you to hold him because I just needed to be in tune with the other baby now mm-hmm. and focus with this that with twin two Zion. And um and yeah, he came out, his head came out. Um and I was like, Ring of fire again. <laughs> I've always wondered, is it less painful birthing twin two because you've already done the majority of the stretching? Um, I don't I honestly I don't believe it was. I just remember I did feel still feel that sensation. Okay. Yeah. And it was just because it was just kind of like everything kind of went back, but maybe not fully. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of had to stretch back out again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's kind of how it went for me. And when I, and I was like, and I was like, the next one's coming. And Eric looked at Aurora because we had already pre-planned this. And he looked at Aurora and he was like, Aurora, time to get in. Mm. And she, my seven-year-old got in the water and she sat there eagerly waiting for her twin, her other twin brother to come out. And, um, and she caught him with the help of Eric. He very much helped her um, and then delivered baby up to me, like, um, you know, gave baby up towards me. Um, and, yeah, and so when Zion came out, he was, he was laboured breathing. He was very quick. He just shot right out. Um, there was, it, I don't, I don't remember him shifting or turning or anything. He was just like, boop, we're out. Um, and so he was labored breathing and then he kind of went like a little bit purple, not like really horribly purple, but he went a little bit purple and he kind of like flopped a little bit. And, um, I said to Eric, it's time call an ambulance, like, you know, so we can get them checked out. Um, and then I simply without panic, without fear, I just looked at him and I just put my mouth over his nose and his mouth and I just sucked and I spat it out and I did it again and I spat it out and then I put a little breath in his mouth. I just very little breath. Um, and then he just, his color returned instantly. And so I didn't have to like do chest compressions or anything crazy like that. It was just, he just needed that one little breath from mum, and he was just like, Oh, Hello. Yeah. I have so many goosebumps right now. So was that something that you instinctually did or had you learnt to do that from somewhere? Um, yes and no. I had seen it done before and we, when we kind of like during my pregnancy, when we had realised, yeah, um, 
it's twins, um, where we did all the research on like, you know, um, neonatal resuscitation and things like that. Um, but in the, in the actual moment of it happening, it felt really natural. Like I, I wasn't like, (gasps) like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like I wasn't panicked. There was no, that's why I said like without panic, without fear, I just looked at him and I was like, this is what my baby needs. And I felt very, okay and um and he was okay like um you know I gave him that breath and that's exactly what my little boy needed um and we still had the ambulance come and you know they arrived um before they even got there um I birthed the placenta amazing and that was massive it was a shared (laughs) placenta um and yeah it was just giant um I couldn't believe it I was like and actually I do have to say the funny part about that was so I've just birthed Zol and Zion and then I'm like okay here's the another contraction and a little part of me was like okay quickly in tune with my body that's not another baby or a placenta what's happening Um, just in case (laughs) but and then then a placenta I was like no there's no I can't feel a head that's all placenta so we're in the clear yeah far out that's so so funny yeah so um that was that was a bit of a funny one and I was like that's a placenta babe he's like okay good (laughs) I love it oh gosh um but yeah, and then the ambulance came um, after I had birth the placenta. I probably I the the water was like I could still see my feet and my legs, so there was blood in the water, but probably estimated about four hundred mils, maybe five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so good amount, nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, the boys. I mean, even at this stage, they were both still breathing. They just kind of sounded a little congested. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both breathing fine. Um, but I did decide that um, because I was 35 weeks, We Eric and I had said previously that if, we, if I actually did go before 37 weeks, we would probably end up transferring anyway yeah. um, just as a, just a precaution, um, especially with twins. Um, and so off we went. Um, Zol went, Zion, uh, sorry, Zion went with dad. And then, I mean, I had four ambulance arrive because my husband was like, we've had twins. So they have to have one ambulance per person. And then there was the special care, um, four wheel drive ambulance. So there was the three big ambulance, like truck things. And then one of the SUV ones. And so it was very intimidating to have that many people kind of come in at once. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like we went off to the hospital um, and had a really, really quick visit, really. Like we were there, the boys um, were on CPAP for uh, roughly about 24 hours. Um, no oxygen, no ventilation, or just room air. It was just to help draw all of the mucus out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were breastfeeding. <laughs> and yeah, like they were, it was just working on feeding and regulating their temperature, which was done within the first 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, hubby just kept wearing them. So um, yeah, they. They were out on – we were told, like, when we went in, they're like, look, you'll probably – because they're preemie, you'll be here for five weeks. And um, we were like, no, we, we're like, no, I don't think so. Like, we just felt really peaceful about it was just going to be a, a little bit of a couple of days and we'd be home. And, um, yeah, on day five, 
at 34 weeks and six days, we were home. Incredible. We were heading home. And the reason I was saying before, like, I, when I birthed, I thought I was 35 weeks and one day. And then when I went to the hospital, we transferred and whatnot. They had the letter, original letter from my GP who had advised the hospital that I was pregnant. And that was when I was four weeks pregnant. And she said, your estimated due date written on there was the 21st of November. So that was yesterday. And um, she's like, that would actually make you 34 weeks in one day. Wow. Not 35 weeks in one day. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. How big were they? Um, Zol Twin One weighed 2.6 kilos. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. And he was 50 centimeters long. And um, my Twin Two, Zion, he weighed three kilos on the dot. Oh, my gosh. So basically a full-term weight. I know. <laughs> and he was 51 centimetres. Oh, that's incredible. Well yeah, done. Yeah, they were giant, little <laughs> giant babies. And even our experience at the hospital after free birthing at home and, um, you know, every doctor and midwife were just amazed with how healthy they were and how um, how big and chunky they were and, yeah. like, just how quickly they were, like, just moving through everything. Like, they weren't needing that oxygen or ventilation. They were – once they came off the CPAP, they didn't – they never went back on. Um, they didn't need to go on the, um, the high flow, which is the little prongs that they put up. Mm -hmm. They didn't need anything like that. Like, they were just – smashing goals quickly and I do like I'm just very thankful that they were like that and I I do put it down to for me and uh you know won't name names but um a few um medical professionals that I spoke to through this have all pretty much agreed that it was the fact that I was so relaxed at birth mm. and through my pregnancy and having that minimal intervention um really really helped yeah that's not surprising at all and then being able to stay attached to their placenta would have been such a vital component also absolutely they stayed they stayed attached to their placenta um i think because and this is something interesting that i really thought about was when the ambulance did arrive um they like they're like, okay, are we okay to clamp the placenta? And I checked in my and Beck checked the placenta as well, the um, cords as well. And she's like, oh, they're finished pulsating. Um, and that was well within an hour. Okay. Like that was only after like maybe 25 minutes after birth. And I think that 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 helped with their labored breathing because because they needed that extra oxygen they were getting it they were, they just pulled it from the placenta yeah. i th and i put it i put it down to that as well yeah our bodies are so mind-blowing it's just incredible yeah so take us to that moment where you were able to sort of sit back and reflect on what you had just experienced what was that moment like for you oh it was amazing like i just remember being on such a high um yeah. And I just remember looking at my husband like a couple of times with the same kind of shock and awe of like, <laughs> we're having twins. It was like, I freaking did it. Yes. Like, and not like it's, and see, like before my own experience, when I had heard like women being like, oh, I did it. I was like, 
I didn't understand. Mm. I didn't, I, I didn't have that deep understanding of what they meant. And, um, I've realized like, it's not about like, Oh, um, I'm going to do this pregnancy or this labor the way that I want, because it's just what I want. It's not like that. It's like, I'm going to do it this way because this is what I truly believe is the most safest thing for me and my baby. Mm. And, I'm trusting myself and that's what my high was about was like yeah. I trusted myself I had my faith and I trusted God and and it it was it, it it's all here like all the proof is in the pudding <laughs> and the pudding is my two babies yeah. you know <laughs> oh, so beautiful so after everything you've experienced from you know the trauma of your blood clot to then free birthing your twins what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? Um, 100% trust yourself. Yeah. Like listen to yourself <laughs> before anyone else. Um, and it's not like birth is not a competition. Pregnancy is not a competition. It's about like knowing you and knowing your baby and trusting that if anything is good or bad, you know, and you can listen to that. Like you can listen to the warnings. You can listen to, you know, like whether is your baby moving all the time. So, you know, baby's safe, you know, you know, baby's moving enough and sitting there and just, we live in such a world where it's go, go, go. And I think we that's where we lose that little bit of connection during pregnancy of being able to sit and just be yeah. and go, oh, there's baby. Hello. You know, and so, like, I think it's it has to be for our, our time, it has to be a little bit more um, – of a conscious effort and I and I say that because that's what I had to do like just you know especially when you got older kids as well yeah yeah but I I do I and another another piece of advice is finding someone like a doula um or if you're having a midwife like someone who you can really really trust and who trusts you that's the key I think like my GP she trusted me and she outwardly told me that she trusted me and I felt so good from that um and then my doula like without even asking my doula I knew my doula trusted me you know (laughs) like so and even for myself who like I don't even I don't even like like lots of people around and I don't like people touching me she was a massive help because she was in the background doing things that I couldn't have my mind on. Yeah. And she was also, especially with Ezra, my husband's first time, you know, being at a pregnancy and birth, he kind of was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, how can I be helpful in this time? And so I told him before having Ezra and he already knew for the twins is that, like set up the room that's so helpful. That way I don't have to have that mental load. Um, and then my doula just kind of supported him to support me. So she would be like, hey, maybe massage here or like use this tool or like, you know, like give her this oil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, there was so much benefit in having Beck around um, because she could help him not feel helpless and yes. then – that meant that me and him were more connected in my birth as well, which I think is really important for 
dads to feel to feel like they're engaged and they're like okay I'm being helpful because a lot of men now they want to be there they want to watch their kids being born they want to help you know and they just like well I don't really know how to though yeah and if you can have your kids if you got older kids have your kids there because like my son was only one and I have photos of him staring at me kind of playing in the water and staring at me right as I'm giving birth to Zol and then when Zol is out of the water and I'm holding him he's looking directly at that baby Mm. like he's just looking eye 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 to eye with Zol just like amazed that he's there and he's like baby you know Mm. like that process of like that's where the baby came from yeah (laughs) came from mom in the water (laughs) yeah they're just the really like amazing things that kind of came out of my birth with these guys yeah Mm. so what an incredibly inspiring journey you've had Ali I'm truly in awe of you and so deeply honored to be sharing your journey with my listeners thank Thank you. you so much thank you so much for having me and I so appreciate you listening to my story and you know, and sharing it with others as well. And I just really hope that um, other women can, you know, and even dads, you know, or grandmas or whoever can hear stories like mine and the others that you share and they feel some kind of empowerment and it changes their journey for the better too. That is a wrap for season two of Positive Birth Australia. Obviously, twin birth is close to my heart, so being able to interview Ali as my final episode of 2021 feels extra special for me. And what a journey, right? I am fully aware that a lot of my listeners may not be at a level of trust to free birth their babies. I feel like I need to remind you guys the biggest reason I share these stories is to exaggerate time and time again how incredibly capable your body is to birth, especially when left undisturbed and a mother is in a safe and calming environment, just like Ali was. Even with multiple babies, birth will work. It has been my greatest pleasure bringing you all so many truly admirable women sharing their inspiring journeys. I am so deeply honored for every single person who has featured on the show, allowing me to pass on their knowledge and wisdom each week to you all. Positive Birth Australia will be back for season three in January next year, and my first episode back is a beauty featuring the wisest woman of all, Jane Hardwick Collings. I cannot wait to dive back in with you all, but until then, sending you so much love and the deepest thanks to every one of you that tunes in each week. Have a beautiful holiday break, stay safe, and I'll see you next year for season three of Positive Birth Australia.